Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Well, I am a runner, and for some of you, that brings cheers and camaraderie that only the crazy ones who get up early in the morning to travel miles by foot Uh, pay for a 5K that everyone gets the same medal in, right? Only you people can understand truly what that means. The rest of you are thinking, I only run if someone's chasing me or if it's Black Friday at Walmart. (laughs) But let me tell you my history of running. So when I was a child, I ran everywhere. I ran with joy and abandon. Most children do this. They run to the playground. They run into school. We run to push the button on the elevator. Running is fun and it's natural. But as I got into middle school and high school, I had friends who ran and I wanted to be with my friends. And so we joined the track team and I was on the track team with my friends. Uh, I had coaches, I had a training plan. So really I just had to show up at the right times. I had to discipline myself to make good choices outside of scheduled practices. And I found some success in running. I went off to college, I ran at a small college, I was on their track team. Now I met a boy who also ran, that might have kept me in it as well. And then I graduated from college. And after graduation, without a team, without a coach, I kind of became a casual runner. I would run when other people would invite me along to run or if there was a 5K that had a good cause behind it. But when my kids got a little older and they started to run on teams, I thought maybe this would be a way to bond with my kids. So I started to run with a group of moms that would run while they were at practice. And then a few years ago, we had some trauma that hit our lives. And I decided to turn back to that discipline, that practice that had brought me joy, that had brought a level of self-discipline to me as a young person. And because I rarely do things halfway, I decided to go all in, and I trained to run the Chicago Marathon. So I equipped with a coach, a cause, a cheering section, and a whole lot of determination, I became a marathoner last fall when I crossed the finish line. And it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Thank you. (laughs) Along the way, I realized how much I actually enjoy running again. And I would guess that that story sounds quite similar to some people who are here to your spiritual growth. As a child, maybe you went to church with your family and because of people like our incredible Kids World leaders, you loved it. And then as you got older, you may have had friends at church and pastors and leaders that kept you on track and helped you with spiritual disciplines, and you stuck with it. And then your church attendance, your Bible reading, your prayer life may have even just become a casual thing as life started to take over and started to become busy. There might have then been a catalyst. Maybe it was a person, a traumatic event, someone who was passionate about their faith or having a family. It pushed you into a desire and a goal to pursue your relationship with God in new ways. And that might be where you sit today. But if there's one thing that I have learned 
in my journey of running and in my spiritual journey is that there is so much truth to that old adage that life is a marathon, not a sprint. So I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible uses running as an illustration for this life of faith. The comparisons are great, even if your opinion of running is something like this. Jog, oh no, I only run for two reasons, if I'm being chased or towards the direction of an ice cream truck. A New Testament author, Paul, he specifically uses running the race as an illustration for the Christian life. Now really, Paul uses illustrations of running, wrestling, and childbirth to describe the Christian faith, and as a runner mom of three boys, I can relate to all of those things. The image of an athlete was strong, it was ever-present in Paul's world and in his mind. He wasn't talking about an actual race, but rather the disciplines that it takes to be on a journey to Christ-likeness. The race parallels the discipline that it takes to follow Jesus. Paul knew that you had to keep yourself in spiritual shape in order to finish and to finish well. So if you have your Bible with you today, we're going to turn to Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the word of the Lord. So the weekend that I ran the Chicago Marathon was a historic weekend for the marathon distance and really for the running world for a couple of reasons. One of them happened right here in Chicago just a few hours uh, before I finished the race. She might have actually finished about the time I was starting, if I'm being honest. Bridget Kosky set a new women's world record in the marathon distance. And though she went home with, I'm sure, some additional prize money and sponsorships, this same medal that was hung around my neck was also hung around hers. We went home with the same medal because we ran the same 26.2-mile path, and that accomplishment was worthy of a medal. In fact, there were 45,000 other people who received that same prize. And as I stood at the start line, I couldn't help but think that each person had a different why for taking on that challenge. You don't just go out and run a marathon. There's a reason behind us. And those of us that were starting in the final wave of the, of the race were not running in such a way to obtain the prize. We didn't have hopes of sponsorships and extra prize money but we had a different, lasting prize at stake. The woman who started next to me was running to honor her mother, who had Alzheimer's before she had recently passed away. I know of a father who ran to honor the memory of his son who died at age 10 from a cancerous brain tumor. I personally ran to honor three children who've had to do things way harder than run 26.2 miles as they have battled pediatric cancers. 
Now, Paul talks about running in such a way as to obtain the prize. To win a race or a competition, it requires an all-out commitment to that prize at the end. You can't start a race and run aimlessly. It's not a race then, that's just a jog on the trail. What if the prize is more than money and medals? Now experts in the area of forming habits would agree that having a vision of what you want in the end is the first step to forming really great habits. We have to start with a vision. Start with a vision. Maybe you've started with a New Year's resolution this year, and maybe it sounded something like this. I'm going to lose 20 pounds by the summer. Or I'm not eating sugar for a month. Or maybe even, I'm going to run a marathon. But I'd ask you how those goals are working out. To make it spiritual, maybe you have a goal of reading the entire Bible in a year. Or praying three times a day. And those are not bad goals. But habits expert Nir Ayel, he calls those butt goals. They are big, unfun, and time-boxed. Goals like this, they might be effective in a work environment where your performance is measured and tangibly rewarded, but in a greater life context, these can be motivation killers. Let's just say you have a goal that you want to learn Japanese. You do the research on what must be done to learn the language, what the cost and time, your money, your energy, and you figure out the return on your investment for all of this, and then you start the process. But after learning to count and some basic greetings, you can't see a reason why you would ever use these words. Now on the other hand, if you had a big trip planned to Japan, or a big business deal with a Japanese company, or you fell in love with someone whose family only spoke Japanese, you would have a vision before you that might grip you with the desire to learn. The general absence of such a vision actually explains why language learning is generally so unsuccessful in educational programs in the United States. The presence of such a vision explains why, on the other hand, English language is learned at a phenomenal rate all around the world. Multitudes of people see clearly the ways in which their lives might be enriched or improved by the knowledge of English. Now, I all would say to forget the destination and instead you focus on the journey. And this takes a vision. Where do you want to be? Doesn't it sound more exciting to say, I want to be healthier so that I can play with my kids and my grandkids? Or I want to complete something that seems difficult so that I can identify with others who have been through difficult things. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Jim has unpacked physical habits and financial habits. And having a vision for our physical bodies is literally staring back at us in the mirror every single day. Having a vision for your financial fitness can be as tangible as a zero on your student loan bill or the satisfaction of giving without having to worry. But this week we're talking about spiritual fitness and forming habits for spiritual fitness. So what is the vision before us? And let me ask you this. How's your spirit? How is your spirit? We all have a spirit, and our spirit will be formed by something. The spiritual side is part of who we are, and your spirit has been formed to this point 
by the experiences and choices of your past. It might be for the good, it might be for the bad, but it has been formed. Here's the good news of the gospel. It can be transformed. It can be transformed. Theologian Dallas Willard says this of spiritual formation. Spiritual formation for the Christian basically refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. In, in the degree to which spiritual formation in Christ is successful, the outer life of the individual becomes a natural expression or outflow of the character and teachings of Jesus. The author of the book of Hebrews says this, chapter 12, verses one through three, it is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And it says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside the sin that can so easily entangle us and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you need a reason to run for the prize, for the vision for which you are called to pursue spiritual formation, look no further than the cross. We run to obtain the prize because we have been obtained by Christ's death on the cross. God has not saved you to sit on the sidelines. He has saved you for the sake of the gospel and formation of himself in you. And the goals you may have previously set for spiritual fitness are certainly not bad goals. But to work towards spiritual fitness with certain behaviors as the goal will potentially change your behaviors for a time, but it's really a backwards progression. When we begin with our behaviors, and then try to shape our beliefs and our identity, we get legalism. But when we begin by setting the vision of formation of Christ before us, the formation of Christ in us, it certainly will transform our identity, which will shape our beliefs, which will change our behaviors. As Pastor Jim said last week, lasting habits are driven by our desired identity. The vision before you when it comes to spiritual fitness, forming spiritual habits is this. I want to be more like Jesus. I just want to be more like Jesus. And it's through consistent practice that you'll be able to form habits and to see the potential of those visions. But if this vision is in front of you, you'll figure out the journey as you go. Actress Jamie Lee Curtis wrote a children's book called, Is There Really a Human Race? And the book starts with these words. Is there really a human race? Is it going now, on now, all over the place? When did it start? Who said ready, set, go? Did it start on my birthday? I really must know. Can you even imagine a giant human race? And yet how many people do you know that are competitively running through life at an all-out sprint pursuing a crown that will not last? What's the goal? How do we even know the course? Who would decide? And do you even get to decide if you're in or out? What if you never intended to join a race? So once you have that vision for your spiritual fitness, 
You have to declare your intention. You have to declare your intention. Verses 25 and 26 of our scripture today say this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Here at Christ Community, we have a mission statement that says we are all about making passionate disciples of Jesus Christ who are belonging, growing, serving, and reaching. That's our intention with everything that we do in our ministries. The vision is to see Christ formed in people through discipleship. We have a declared intention to create passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we stopped there, it would simply be an empty intention. I can declare my intentions all day long, but without action, my intentions are not going to go anywhere. Each person who entered into our baptism tank a few weeks ago answered two questions when they were in the tank. They were asked, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as savior to forgive your sins and to give you new life? That's the vision before them. Life in Christ, a spirit transformed. The second question is this, do you plan to follow Jesus as Lord for the rest of your life? That is the declared intention. They intend to follow Jesus. Now, just because they declared their intention and experienced baptism, they haven't become per perfectly formed followers of Jesus Christ. However, by making a decision and even doing one action that moves them toward it and being baptized definitely counts as a tangible evidence of an intention, they're further down the road than the person who never actually started. Because our intention involves then a decision to act. We have an intention, we have to make a decision to act. Now legend says when Elton John was young, he played piano for an American band and after the show he asked the lead singer in the band, how do I become a songwriter? And the lead singer replied, start writing some songs. Seems like simple advice. If you wanna be a songwriter, write some songs. Now it's called doing the verb. We may say we want to be a passionate disciple of Jesus, but until we decide to act on that to pursue discipleship, we're merely stating an intention. So it's those next four words in our church mission statement that give more decision behind the intention. This is where the decision comes in. You have to decide to belong. You have to decide to grow. You have to decide to serve. You have to decide to reach. Making a decision to pursue spiritual health begins, or for some of you, continues with these four areas. Wherever you are in your vision to become more like Jesus, chances are you can begin or continue growth in one of these four areas. And although there are many different spiritual disciplines, that we can pursue. For our purposes today, I wanna to break it down into four areas that will correspond with these four words. Now we call these four words the marks of a disciple. The first one, belonging. We're gonna include church attendance, attending corporate worship, engaging in community or a community group, and engaging in prayer, 
having a relationship with God. This is belonging to God and belonging to the church. We talk about this in kids' world. We say, I love Jesus and I love his church. Growing is the next one. And while a lot of things can fit in this category, in the category of growth, today we're gonna talk about good places to start that are Bible study, studying God's word, and giving. Good places to start growing. The next one, when you decide to serve. This is serving other people, using the gifts that God has given you. Serving people in the church and outside of the church. And the last one we have to do, we have to decide to reach. And reaching is all about the habits of evangelism and inviting. What are you doing to work those spiritual muscles of inviting people to join in this community that you've found and inviting people to join in this vision of Christ formed in you. Now remember when I said the weekend I ran the Chicago Marathon was a historic weekend for the running world. Well, back in 2016, Elihud Kipchoge was one of three people who declared his intention to run a marathon 26.2 miles in less than two hours. Now remember that the very first person to run a marathon, the legend behind a marathon distance of 26.2 miles, was there as a messenger delivering a message, ran 26.2 miles, and then he died. And here Kipchoge is saying, I'm going to do this in less than two hours. His vision was to prove that no human is limited. He stated that up front, and Kipchoge's initial attempt in May 2017, came up just 25 seconds beyond his goal. He finished in two hours and 25 seconds. But he wasn't done with that same intention. Even after failure, Kipchoge again attempted the feat. The feat. He attempted it on the same weekend as this past fall's Chicago Marathon. This time, he was armed with a team of elite pacers, people who went before him to block the wind, who came behind him to push him from behind. He had the perfect weather conditions. He was on a flat course with as few turns as possible. And he recruited cheering sections, people along the way to cheer for him. He also had the perfectly formulated sports drink. There were actually people who rode on bicycles next to him with computer screens on them that gave him the formulated drink as he ran the marathon to keep his levels all in the perfect place. And finally, he had the Nike Air Zoom Alpha Fly Next Percents. (laughs) It is said that these shoes alone would make you more than 6% faster. And this time, Kipchoge did it. He did it not just because he had a vision, and not only the intention to break two, and, but he had the decision to move forward with a plan, but he used whatever means were available to him. If we wanna be successful in our spiritual habits, we have to map out our means. To start habits that move your intentions into action, you have to map out your means. Our scripture today ends with verse 27. It says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 
When Paul says he strikes a blow to his body, he's talking about disciplining himself to stay on course towards the prize. Self-discipline requires a plan for training. Now, before we start mapping out our means, here's a little public service announcement for everyone. I acknowledge that I am about to give you all kinds of ideas about how to pursue spiritual growth. There are people in this room who have never started mapping out their means for spiritual growth and some who have had a vision for becoming more like Christ for many, many years. And today, I would rather you write, one, write down one idea and after 90 days, listen to this whole series again and pick out something else that you can work on physically, financially, and spiritually for the following 90 days. Please don't get overwhelmed by all of the ideas. You can't do everything, but you can start with one thing. Focus on the one thing you can do, and as you exercise those spiritual muscles, you'll have the opportunity to try something else. But what we wanna to do today is get you started with mapping out a plan. So your map may look different from the people around you, but we have some basic formulas, some things that have produced fruitful habits based on research and experience that I wanna share, share with you today. Now in the beginning of training for the Chicago Marathon, I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't sure how far to run every day. I wasn't sure how fast to run every day. I wasn't sure how to fuel those runs. And I certainly did not have a pair of those Nike Alpha Flies. So I started with what felt like it would be easy and automatic to me. I ran about three miles a day. And I worked on making that an automatic response every single day. Mapping out our means means making a plan for the habits that we want to develop. There are all kinds of resources available to you. There are reading plans and prayer journals. There are electronic resources. There are apps. And mapping out your means is about finding the right things that will help you start and help you continue to grow in your spiritual fitness. So when we map out our means, the first thing that we can start with is what we call an MEA. Now, Nirael calls little actions MEAs. He says they're the key to getting you closer to your vision. And MEA stands for Minimum Enjoyable Action. The idea is to set up a simple, small action that is just enjoyable enough that you'll want to follow through with it. Now, since running three miles may not seem like a small and enjoyable action to everyone, we're going to start with a different example. Let's say your vision was to be an honest person and you intend to be able to give a truthful answer whenever someone asks a question where it would be easy to lie. And you're about to go to the dentist next month. And you know what they're gonna ask you at the dentist. Do you floss every day? So as a part of your journey to be able to be honest to the dentist, you decide to floss one tooth every day for a week. It sounds ridiculous, right? You would probably end up flossing two teeth by the end of the second or the third day because one wouldn't be enough of a challenge. Eventually, over the course of one month, chances are you would be flossing all of your teeth and you wouldn't have to lie to the dentist. So going back to our vision to be like Jesus and our intention to belong and to grow, to serve and to reach, what are the means we might use to reach those goals in the next 90 days? 
How can we set some MEAs for some of those areas where our spiritual muscles might be a little bit weak? Maybe your MEA is to attend the same worship service every week. Maybe you start by increasing your giving by just 2%. You heard what the Engelheimer family said when they were reading the Bible with their kids. They said they started with two days a week. Maybe that works for you, or maybe it's that you can daily just listen to the Bible on your morning drive to work. Maybe you're already serving somewhere a couple of times a month, and maybe the minimal enjoyable action is to commit to serving three more times in the next 90 days. If you're already practicing great spiritual habits, do you ever just practice stillness before God? Could you set a five-minute appointment in your calendar one time every day to practice stillness and quiet, to just listen to God? Whatever it is, your minimal enjoyable action, start there and then set yourself up from success. After you've decided what your MEA is, the next step is that you have to make those means accessible. So once you've decided that minimum enjoyable action, you wanna make your means accessible. Accessibility is key. Have you ever noticed how many flavors of Oreos there are these days? There are so many flavors. Do you know how I know how many flavors there are? Because they are always on the end cap of the shelves in the grocery store or right when you walk into Target. And somehow, sometimes they find their way into my cart. I think they fall off the end cap. Now studies have found that people will buy what is most accessible to them. So years ago, there was a TV and a radio campaign and the goal was to promote eating five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. After an investment of airtime, clever jingles, and print materials, they found that people knew about the five-a-day recommendation. They could sing the jingles, but they weren't actually producing more or purchasing more fruits and vegetables. People were taking the same route through the grocery store that they always had. So even with this knowledge that they should eat five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, budgets and hungry eyes were already spent. By the time that they got to the, to the fruits and vegetables, they'd already been spent on Oreos. So grocery stores started putting fruit in more accessible locations, end caps, or right as you walked into the door to both accommodate those natural patterns of traffic through the store, but also to interrupt people's routine. And when it was accessible, it was purchased. You will reach for what is in plain sight and is a part of your regular routine. Environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. And this is how our habits are formed. Along with making things simple and enjoyable, they also need to be accessible. If you put your running shoes in a place in your home where you'll trip over them every day, you might actually use them. You may have heard that we have a Bible's reading plan around here. Bible savvy for students and adults, epic for kids. And we have tried to make those incredibly accessible for you, uh, both in the bookstore and at the CCC Life app. But maybe you need to put those journals and some pens and markers in the center of your kitchen table every day. Or maybe you need to put it on top of your phone when you go to bed at night. Set appointments with God in your calendar. Don't just set the appointment, but set the time and the place and make it something that you can't break. 
If you put God's good news booklets or invitations to our next church series in your coat pockets, you'll have a better chance of sharing them with others. I know there are pastors on our staff who do that. There's always a God good, God's good news in their pocket. If you put a Bluetooth speaker by your dinner table, you're more likely to plug your phone in and listen to the Bible savvy reading for the day while you eat dinner. When my kids were little, I spent a lot of time washing little hands in the bathroom. So I would write the scripture I was trying to memorize on the bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker with a bathtub crayon because I stared at it many times throughout the day. You have to make those spiritual habits accessible, make them something that you're gonna trip over. Now the third thing is what's rewarded is repeated. What's rewarded is repeated. Every day, there are people who live to close their rings. If you don't know what I'm talking, of, or talking about, you probably don't own an Apple Watch. The activity app on the Apple Watch, it works just like a fitness tracker, and as you move or you exercise or even as you just stand, it records the movement and these rings start to fill in until you reach whatever goal you set, and then you get to see the fireworks. <laughs> if you continue to meet your goals, you're eventually given virtual medals. Not an actual medal, but an animation of a medal with your name engraved on it. Now, I know people who will run up and down their stairs at night before going to bed just so they can see the fireworks and close their rings. What's rewarded is repeated. God created us to experience a spike of the neurotransmitter dopamine when we've met desire. Even the anticipation of a met desire will compel us to continue to pursue the habit that creates that outcome. Parents who have potty trained toddlers know this all too well. A simple M&M or two is often enough to convince even the busiest toddler to have a seat and do their duty. So should you eat an M&M for every Bible verse you read? I mean, maybe. But what if instead you created a reward for yourself in other ways? You could make a deal with yourself that the first cup of coffee can only be consumed with your Bible open. I talked to some of our church staff about their spiritual habits. One said she doesn't allow herself to check social media until she's read the Bible savvy reading for the day. Another said he doesn't turn on music in the car until he's gone through his prayer list for the day. Now, who said you have to read the Bible or pray in black and white? I love color and markers. So I carry a set of markers with me and I often will just draw or doodle my prayers. I use the markers to differentiate different things when I study the Bible. The names of God will have yellow sunbeams around them. Action words are underlined in red. Promises of God are underlined in blue and so on. It makes things a whole lot more fun to, to do and then to come back to again. Maybe you're working on a prayer habit and you might make it fun by picking up the Attributes of God booklet that we have back at the info counter. Choose one name of God to pray through every day. They're listed alphabetically. So in 26 days, you could pray through the entire alphabet and in 90 days, you could pray through the alphabet three times. And you'd have a brand new way to kind of engage your prayer life. Now after you've made it fun, you also need to find a coach or a team. Had I continued to run three miles a day to prepare for the marathon, I would have been pre prepared for a 5K, but I never would have had the endurance to run a marathon. 
Eventually, I had to start increasing my mileage, and I had to find a coach to tell me what to do. Now, I also told people I was running the marathon because I knew if I told them, they would ask me how training was going. So with a coach and accountability, my, my training went to the next level from three-mile runs all the way up to 18-mile runs. And this is what happens with our spiritual fitness as well. In order to move past those initial MEAs, we need people who can see our potential, who can challenge us and hold us accountable so maybe you set an MEA around attending the same service every month, and you sit in the same zone in the auditorium. And in order to hold yourself accountable to that, make sure you meet your zone leader and ask them to look for you every week at church. Maybe there's someone who you end up sitting by every single week. Ask them next, the person next to you to text you if they don't see you at church one week. Maybe you take a first step in Bible reading. You've been listening to the Bible Savvy reading each day, so you have a mapped out plan, and you're ready for the next step. You might find someone who you could text one thing you learned about God each day. Or go to the counter in the atrium and find a community group that you could be engaged with, where you'll have people who can help hold you accountable. Maybe it's that you wanna ask someone who you see following Jesus well to mentor or coach you and you set up a time with them, ask them to coach you through your new intentions. If you're needing some help with financial fitness, you might look into our budget coaching program. We have actual coaches to help you become financially fit. And all of this is great. That was a ton of ideas. And it's all great until it isn't. You might be cruising along, you're making progress on your goals, maybe you're just kind of trudging along and then you miss a day or your sports season starts and you can't find the time to sit down and read the Bible all at once. Does it mean that you're disqualified? Does it mean that you quit? Does it mean that you have to tear it all down and start all over again? Not at all, not at all. Just like an injured athlete, sometimes we have a rough season. Sometimes we have to scale back our routines. Some seasons are for cross training. Sometimes you have to change your focus for a time. You might be cruising along like this at mile 14 and then look like this at mile 25. <laughs> there is this dashed blue line. It's painted on the streets of Chicago and it follows the marathon route. It's to show you the quick and efficient route to the finish line. And during those last six miles, I found myself searching for it in an effort just to put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes it's not fun, but that doesn't mean that we stop and give up. This vision before us is still worth it. I especially wanna encourage those of you who have families, busy kids, and lives, even when you miss a day or even when you only read a few sentences of the Bible reading, it is still worth it. It is worth the effort for your kids' spiritual growth. In fact, like George said, come join us at Parent Pathway Live in a few weeks. We'll go through the different phases in your kids' lives and hopefully give you some ideas and thoughts on how to coach them spiritually. These years when your kids are at home can be busy and overwhelming, but spiritual habits do not have to be one more thing. We can't have more time. God gives us 24 hours in a day. But we can be more cognizant of moments. 
And we can utilize those in the best ways possible. Paul warns, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Runners get disqualified when they run off the course, either intentionally or unintentionally. Some run off and quit, some step off or have a misstep. So do not forget that we have an enemy who does not want more people to have the vision of being more like Jesus. And that should make you mad. That should honestly make you mad enough to do hard things. That should make you mad enough not to let your impulses rule over you. And that should make you determined to not follow, fall off the course and be disqualified for that vision before you. Even when you miss a day, it is worth it to start again. Forming habits is a slow learning process. So our challenge to you to start some new habits over the next 90 days, that's gonna take you until June, you'll be learning for all of that time. And as you learn, it's easier to start again than to start for the first time. Unlike an Olympic sprint, one slip up, slip up cannot disqualify you. But like a marathon, you can adjust along the way. You have a witness to others. You have a story to tell and you are being formed daily by the influences around you. If you allow other influences to crowd out the vision before you, just come back to it and start again. Following Jesus, being formed spiritually, it is worth it. It is worth trying again because we have a vision before us to be more like Jesus. Let's pray together. God, you have given us a vision before us, a desire to be more like Jesus. We desire that today. God, we have an intention towards that, and I would pray that we would make decisions to pursue that. God, that you would help us direct us to the means that we need to use to grow in our faith. God, would you inspire us today as we go forward from this place? God, as we, as we continue to worship, would you bring to mind the ways that we might pursue spiritual habits and spiritual fitness? God, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your community, for your people. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.